Get yourself a blue hymnal. We're going to sing number 260. 260. sing yes on that last verse. Amen. And praise the Lord for that. We're going to sing number 389. 389. If you can, let's all stand. 389. Thank you. 
Yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. I'm glad you all are here, and uh, praise the Lord for the health that we do enjoy. Uh, Mindy and I are carrying a heavy burden this morning. We'll have to show you our pictures of our new grandbaby. And uh, Colson Woodrow Bradshaw was born at 1.35, I think, in the morning. What night was that? Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday morning. And uh, so anyhow, we're, praise the Lord, healthy baby, ten fingers to ten toes, and, and uh, really handsome. <laughs> Y'all heard it, amen. No, but anyhow, we're glad that. I, I tell you what, we do uh, need to be in prayer for, for health, for a lot of folks, for surgeries, for uh, uh, Brother Lakey's cousin, David Lakey, and then uh, continue to pray for Jason Young. He's having trouble with... Uh, Caesars, and they're trying to get his medication squared away for that, so please do keep in your prayers for that. And then some unspoken prayer requests, but it's good to see everyone. Good to be in the Lord's house. Um, we will be having a uh, time of fellowship tonight if you want to after the evening service, and so we're going to bring some games. And uh, we looked at our game closet the other night and noticed that we had way more games than we'll ever play in life. So. Lord willing, maybe we'll bring some games, and if you're any good at it, you can take it home with you when you're done. So, uh, uh, but anyhow, uh, if you'd like to stay for that, remember to bring your own snacks, and, and uh, so we'll bring snacks and have a time. We'll stay as long as people want to stay, and if nobody wants to stay, we'll go home early and, and, uh, and uh, enjoy this wonderful cold weather. Amen. So, <laughs> our men will come. We'll receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time. Please don't forget to get yourself a devotional book for your family, and uh, they're in the back back there. Okay. Brother Wade, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful to be in your house today, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. Lord, we just uh, pray for all those who are sick, Lord. Uh, yes. Lord, uh, uh, put your hand upon them, Lord. Just help them with Lord. Lord, uh, we just ask for your guidance, your wisdom for the new year coming. Lord, just uh, be with us um, with the elections, Lord. Yes. Lord, we continue to pray for Israel, Lord. Yes. Uh, continue to be with them. Lord, I ask that you be a pastor, Lord. Just give him the words he needs to preach your word, Lord. I just love you with all our hearts. Amen. Let's go to 489, 489. I'm sorry, I missed it.
and turn to the book of John, please. Book of John. John chapter 4 is where we're going. John chapter 4. We've been uh, preaching through uh, up until we started looking at the, the birth of our Savior for the last few weeks. We, we were in the book of John, and uh, we're in the book of John chapter 4. And uh, this is a rich and full chapter, as of course most are. But uh, this one here, uh, if you will, uh, of course, uh, the woman at the well and, and everything like that. And uh, excuse me here. And so anyhow, that's where we had been last time we looked at this chapter here was the woman at the well. And uh, I want to skip down to verse 43. That's where we need to take it up here. In John chapter 4 and verse 43, and I always ask this question whenever we're looking at a text, especially a new one, uh, and a little bit out of context. Does God make any mistakes? And the answer is no, of course. And so anything that's in the Bible is an important detail, okay? So notice this, if you will, in verse 43, it says this. It says, now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. And I'm assuming that means after two days of him being in Samaria with the woman at the well and everything. And that makes sense, of course, like that. But that's a detail that could have been left in, could have not been left in, all right? God put it in on purpose here, I believe. And we'll see that here in just a moment. So the Bible says, verse 44, it says, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Help me now, what town is he from? Nazareth, there you go. He's from the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee. It's actually one of the, the cities in Galilee. They all uh, have reputations, if you will. Galilee, if you will, was uh, more secular, if you will. Judah, if you will, was the more religious-type capital. And then you had Samaria in between. That was where that they had mixed the religion and mixed the races, okay, and then Galilee was around the Sea of Galilee, but that was more of a Roman-type place. It was a more worldly-type place, if you will. And, uh, and so that gives you kind of a, a basic geography here. And so he was, if you will, going home. Galilee was where he was from. And that was the region that he was from. Nazareth was a significant town in that region. And if you will, he's going home to his friends and his family, but he's not being received. That's what that, that text is saying there. And so, again, the Bible says this in verse 44, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then, when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, 
having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also were at, uh, uh, went unto the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee. And so, if you will, he, he went to Nazareth. They didn't receive him. He went into the region of Galilee. And then he went specifically, if you will, to the city of Cana where he did his first miracle. And uh, the, the Bible says again, it says, uh, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And then said Jesus unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. He's, he's, he's rebuking him. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Uh, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth. And himself believed, and his whole house, his whole house became believers. It says, this is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises. We thank you for the health that we enjoy to assemble together, the freedom that's been provided. We thank you for those who provide our, our freedom and our safety. And Father, we just pray for those who can't be with us today. We pray for the sick. We pray for the traveling. And Father, we, uh, we just... Uh, Pray that you would meet with us here today. Help us to honor and glorify you as we've had opportunity to worship you now with our singing and with our giving. Father, just give us an attentive ear. Move in our hearts. Make us able ministers and help us to live as, as looking for your soon coming. Father, we love you. Meet with us now. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm... Uh, was never very good at English, and there's some uh, things that I picked up on, and uh, I'm the type of person that I notice little things, and do y'all know the difference between the word affect and effect? And the reason is I, 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 I worry about those things too much. I, most people use the word effect for everything. They say you're going to effect this and effect that. And technically, affect is a noun, affect is a, is, excuse me, is a verb, and effect is a noun. And so you affect and effect, okay? Are you all glad to know that? All right, let's pray. <laughs> I, I say that for this. How many of y'all want to have an effective ministry? And, and I do. I tell you, I want to have an effective ministry. And, and the Bible tells us that there's no better person in the world to take and to be a role model for us than Jesus Christ. Uh, the Apostle Paul said that he followed Jesus, and then he encouraged his people to follow him. As I follow Christ, you follow me, if you will. And so God gives us, if you will, Jesus, a, 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 a role model for every aspect of our life. I want you to think about this, if you will. He's, he's gone to Jerusalem. We'll see this. He's done miracles, and I'll show you where it says that. And now he's come back. They've heard about the miracles, and now they're saying, hey, we want to see a miracle here, too. But you, you will remember this. That Jesus doesn't do miracles just to do miracles. Jesus does miracles for a purpose. And he basically says this, you will not believe except I show you a miracle. I'm not going to do it. And so if you will, uh, then this man comes to him and says, my son is sick. He says, uh, your son's healed. Go home. And by faith, he said, hey, he just healed my son. And he went home and his faith was confirmed. Praise God. Amen. And I would just tell you this. Out of all the people, and folks, you got to remember that everywhere he went, there was a crowd and there was a throng. And, 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 and at the very least, he had his 12 disciples with him, if you will. And, and, and you could think, man, they're, they're just changing the world. <laughs> well, we might want to learn a lesson from Jesus there. Because I think sometimes we take too much to ourselves. Okay. And we think that maybe we're not doing enough. We're not being right enough, if you will. And like I said, I want us to have an effective ministry, but maybe we could learn a few things from Jesus and maybe grading that ministry, if you will. Okay? 
I want you to think about this. Jesus has been ministering broadly in the book of John. Up to this point, he began his miracles in, in, in Cana. The Bible tells us this in, in John chapter 2 and verse 11. This was the beginning of miracles. The very first miracle he did was in Cana. And then, of course, he went to Jerusalem and did some more. And we'll talk about that. Uh, well, matter of fact, go to chapter 2 and I'll show you this. The Bible says that he continued to do miracles in Jerusalem. Now, the Bible doesn't say what the miracles were. Uh, why? We know the answer to that one, too. The Bible says the world cannot contain all the books that could be written about Jesus Christ. Amen. He's not going to give us every miracle. He's not going to give us everything that he did. He gives us the important ones and the ones, the ones that he wants us to learn from. But in John chapter 2 and verse 23, the Bible says this. It says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. And so, if you will, he, the, he didn't do a miracle in Jerusalem. He did miracles in Jerusalem. So much so that you remember this, that a man named Nicodemus came to him by night, and he said, you've got to be a prophet from God, because no man can do what the miracles the miracles that you're doing except God be with him. You all remember that? And so, in John chapter 3, they're, they're amazed and they're marveling. They look at all the miracles. By the way, how many believers did they get out of it? Well, maybe a few, but let me just say this. We only know of one, Nicodemus, okay? And so for all those miracles, people still weren't coming and throwing it to him. Now let me ask you a question. How many of y'all think he was having an effective ministry? How many of y'all think he was having an effective ministry? I ask that question again because he, he, he went, he did a miracle, and, and, and he did some miracles, and then he had one convert, and now he's just spent, if you will, the past two days in Samaria, where, if you will, he told a woman all that she had ever done. Is this not the Messiah? And, and she took and she went and she told everybody, and they said, we believe not because you told us, but we believe now because we've heard and we've seen him for ourselves, and they came and they trust God. He just came from a great revival, from the least obvious place in all of Israel. Get a hold of this. From the least obvious place in all of Israel, he had a revival, but everywhere else he went, he had one convert, and maybe one finally believed him. Can I just say, you say, well, he's just a failure. Think about this for a second, folks. We only know positively of 120 converts in Jesus's earthly ministry. I mean, if you're going with the Bible, that's the biggest number you can come up with. 120 converts. Well, he's a failure, really? The Bible says that he turned the whole world upside down with him and his disciples. Amen, if you will. I will tell you this. If you let the devil get a hold of your mind, you can think like that. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, listen, that when I said the least obvious place, can I show you another verse? Here's what people thought of Samaria. Go to John chapter 8, look at verse 48. John chapter 8 and verse 48, look at this. They were talking to Jesus here and they said this, it says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan, and say it with me, and hast a... Folks, everybody thought that was just a demon-possessed place. Why are you eating lunch? Why are you talking to her? These people are beyond hope, and yet the greatest revival happened there. You know, if we're going to have an effective ministry, I think we need to, to think like Jesus, and we need to follow his example, okay? So there's three things I want us to take and get out of this text here. Go back again to John chapter 4, and notice verse 43. Again, there is no mistakes in your Bible. Any detail God puts in there, he does it for attention or to tie something together, something like that. And so if you will, again in verse 43, um, the Bible says, uh, it says, Now after two days he departed thence, and he went into Galilee. I want you to know with computer technology, that's a real easy thing to take into study. All you got to do is put in after two days and six verses come up, okay? And so you can say, well, this is that, that, that phrase, it's interesting that they all are tied together, okay? And, 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 and so uh, I think what it does is it teaches us something. And when I took and I looked at the list here, it taught me that after two days is a phrase God uses to show that he is working his plan in the lives of men. And what I mean by that is, it's not according to our plan, it's not according to how we would do things, it's not according to how we want things to go, but it's how things are going because God's in control. Y'all understand that? 
Now, I want you to think about this. Every good gift and every perfect, excuse me, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so, if you will, God is taking, he's saying this, he says, I'm working a plan. Uh, everybody might think he's being run out of town and nobody's responding. His family doesn't even like him. That's what that text said. And, 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 and if you will, if he was like us, he could be walking around going, man, I'm the son of God. I can do miracles and this is all I got to show for it. Anybody ever been there? Because I'll tell you this, that sometimes we forget God is the one who does the work. If we think we're the one doing the work, we're just going to make a mess of it. Amen? And so, if you will, we see that God is working his plan. We see this. Why? Well, let me show you every time it says after two days. Go with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I tell you what, we get to 1 Samuel 30. Go to 2 Samuel 1. It's only a page away, but go to 2 Samuel 1. In 2 Samuel 1, in verse 1, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David was returned from the slaughter of the, the Amalekites, and David had abode, the Bible says what? Two days in Ziklag. Are there any mistakes in your Bible? The answer is no. And so if you will, think about this. God was working in David's life. You all familiar with this story right here? He was in Ziklag. That was his home base. What had just happened? The Amalekites had taken and attacked him. They had taken his wives, all his possessions, and burned the city with fire. The Bible says that his men were thinking about stoning him. Now, I've got to tell you something. How many of you all think that David thought he was an effective leader that day? I mean, he had to be questioning everything. He had to be questioning himself as a, a general. He had to be uh, questioning himself as a king. He had to be questioning himself as a husband. Amen? In all those areas, he had to be thinking, I am such a failure. And if you will, he had been living and working for the Lord constantly that whole time. How many of y'all believe that? Amen? And so if you will, we see here that God was working in David's life. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30 now. 1 Samuel chapter 30, I kind of spoke to this already, but look at verse 1. The Bible says that they came back from warfare, if you will. They're in the middle of a war, by the way, that would ultimately take uh, uh, Saul's life. Amen. Skip down to verse 6. The Bible says, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. You you know that. Skip down to verse 8. And David inquired at the Lord, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for thou wilt surely overtake them, and thou shalt recover all. Praise the Lord. And by the way, that's exactly what he did. He, he took, he pursued, he, he recovered everything, got his wives back, got his property back, got his city back. But how many of y'all think he might have just been at a crossroads? You guys ever have a good day, but still at the end of the day you think, well, okay. Well, that's where he was. Amen. Okay. But folks, think about this. What happened in those two days? Was David anointed to be king of Israel? Let me ask you a question. Was David the king of Israel? No, he wasn't. And so if you will, here's what's going on. God's saying, you do what you do, I'll do what I'll do. And we'll get you on the throne. Okay? Now, here, if we're going to be effective, we need to realize, first off, that we need to focus, if you will, on the future. Anybody here like to beat yourself up with the past? Even on a day where he recovered all, he had to be thinking, well, I failed at this, and I failed at that, and I failed at this. And God's saying, boy, if I could just show you, son, I'm working some things. Because you can't be king until Saul's dead, and you won't kill him. He shouldn't have killed him. Y'all with me? He couldn't kill him. But please take this. God could kill him. And they went to battle, and folks, not only did Saul die, but Jonathan died. And why was that necessary? Well, folks, you remember, Jonathan took all his royal attire and put it on David, and he said, you're going to be the next king. God told him he was going to be the next king, but there was nothing he could do to become the next king, unless God was working his plan. 
Can I just tell you this, folks? Any failures you got in your past, God is using those for you to learn from. Amen? Amen. And can I just tell you this? Do we learn more from our failures or our successes? I ask this question all the time, and it's always from our failures we learn the most. Are they painful? Yes. Do we want to do them again? No. Is God working? Yes. Should we be fixated on our failures? No. Fixate on what he's preparing you for. Amen. He was preparing him to be the king. And not long after this, he was the king. Go to 2 Samuel, uh, look at chapter 1, look at verse 12. The Bible says this, And they mourned, and they wept, and they fasted until even for Saul, and for Jonathan his son, and for the people of the Lord, and for the house of Israel, because they were fallen by the sword. He took and he said, Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry they're dead. Please take this the right way. God cannot feel, fulfill his promises to David until they were dead. All things work together for good. Okay? Notice, if you will, again, that if we're going to have an effective ministry, we need to be focused on the future because the past was only preparing us for the next challenge and the next opportunity. Amen. And so it's important for us to see this. And by the way, he did take the throne. Uh, go to chapter 2, 2 Samuel chapter 2, look at verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up? into any of the cities of Judah. And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David uh, said, Whither shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. Okay? And by the way, if you look at uh, verse uh, 4, the Bible says when he got to Hebron, they anointed him king. They anointed him king. Now he was king for seven years in Hebron before he became king of all Israel. And I will tell you this, God quite often takes and gives us a little victory, and then he puts us through a trial. And a little victory, and he puts us through a trial. A little victory, he puts us through a trial. And if you will, we just always need to be keeping our focus forward. Forward, okay? Why? Because, folks, there's nothing but misery and depression and discouragement and a desire to want to quit when we're focused on the past. Come on now, amen? I, I got to tell you, I love this verse. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you realize the wonderful thing that God gives us every day is an opportunity to start with a clean slate. You know who brings our past into our present? The devil. Amen? And ourselves. God doesn't do it. He's always focused on get up and go, get up and go, get up and go. If you will, with Elijah. He didn't say, Elijah, don't you remember? Blah, 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 blah. No, he didn't do that. He says, I, say, I got 7,000 knees that haven't bent uh, or, or kneeled or kissed Baal. He says, go forward, 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 forward. Why? Because you, you can't revisit the successes of the past and you shouldn't revisit the failures of the past. Any failures in here? Amen. How many of y'all want to think about that and, and, it, and all it's going to do is discourage you enough that you don't want to get out of bed every day? And I can assure you, God wants us getting out of bed every day. Amen. We see, if you will, that when he talks about that second day, he's, he's working, he's, 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 a, he's preparing something for something great in David's life. So we need to stay focused on the future. Jesus was always focused on the next thing, not the last thing, always on the next thing. Amen. If you will. We also see this. Go to Hosea chapter 6, please. Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. Look at verse uh, 1, okay? And you guys uh, remember the book of Hosea? About Hosea and Gomer? Gomer's the unfaithful wife, and he tells him, go get her and be married to her again and all that. And can I just tell you, how many of y'all think that uh, they had some things in their past that would have destroyed their present? Y'all with me? And you know what he's saying? He's saying, forget the past. Forget the past. Why? Because I want you to focus on your present. Focus on what could be, okay? Notice again in verse 1, it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. He's talking about he has and he will. He has and he will. He has and he will. He's focusing on the will side, folks. But then in verse 2, he says this. After two days will he revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Amen. 
And folks, if you study that out, what he's talking about, and it's been about 2,000 years since, if you will, the Lord took the keys and gave them to the church. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. The church is leaving. They're going to have to give the keys back to Israel. Amen. And so he says, for two days, I believe that's about the 2,000 years we got now. By the way, what's the one day they're looking forward to? The millennium. Okay? So I'm not making all this up. The whole point is this. He says, yes, you failed, and yes, you did wrong, and yes, but I'm telling you there's a blessed day coming. Amen. When God talks about those two days, he's basically saying, forget that past and focus on the future. So he did it with David. He did it with Israel. And folks, he did it with Jesus' work of redemption. Go, if you will, and look at Matthew chapter 26. You can also go to Mark chapter 14, but we'll go to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, look at verse 3, or verse 2. The Bible says this, and Jesus speaking here, he says, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. Now, folks, what has happened? Uh, well, for one thing, he's just raised Lazarus from the dead. Okay, well, because of that, you remember in the book of John, they said, well, they're going to come and take our nation and our place. We've got to kill him. Well, notice the next thing it says after that. It says in verse 3, it says, Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people into the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him after two days. You remember what Jesus said when he told his disciples, he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, and I'm going to be crucified. You remember what Peter's response was? Not so, Lord. Come on. You all remember that? Not so. And then you remember Jesus took and turned to him, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because you don't savor the things of God. I didn't come here to do miracles. I didn't come here to give him bread. I didn't come here to sit on a throne. I came here to press forward to the cross. The Bible talks about setting his, uh, in the Bible talks about setting his face as a steel, as a flint, if you will. And if you will, he was totally focused on the future. He was totally focused on what he was there for. Now, they had a plot, and they did get him, if you will, crucified, but I'm telling you, all it did was fulfill God's will because God's in control. Amen. I want you to think about this. We live in a world and people are going to plot, <laughs> right? Trying to stop us from being effective for Jesus Christ. But if we'll just focus on the future and focus on what God wants us to do, God will fulfill his will in our lives. You know, it should be noted that all these examples could be opportunities to become locked in past events. David could have thought about nothing but his failure at Ziklag. By the way, did he fail? Oh, yeah. I mean, I could preach, I could preach a series of messages on how he failed, uh, if you will. I, I want you to think about this. How about Israel and their victim mentality? What am I? Oh, woe is us. We're just suffering for our sins. And oh, all these terrible things. Hey, there's a great day coming. And rather than sitting, I, I got to tell you, Christmas time, there's a couple things I hate about Christmas time. By the way, did you notice Easter candy's out already? Isn't that just crazy? <laughs> okay. Can I tell you, commerce is focused on the future. Okay. They're, they already got rid of all the Christmas candy, and they're already putting Easter candy out. Okay. They're focused on the future. Uh, the thing about it is, we get caught in a victim mentality. Woe is me. Nothing good ever happens to me. Can I just tell you, all it does is it steals your strength. It steals your happiness it steals your joy it steals your peace and you know the wonderful thing no matter what bad things have ever happened in your life if you just have the faith to believe this god has a purpose for my life and he did some things with me yesterday but i'm not going to worry about those things i'm going to be effective Anybody here ever taken a test and you actually took the time to go back and redo the test because you missed some answers? Can I just tell you that's, you, that's wonderful. It didn't increase your grade. <laughs> you would have been better off focusing on the next test. Amen. I'm going to get some pushback on that one from teachers here. 
okay. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, if you will, uh, I think the nation of Israel today, oh, that's what I was going to tell you. I'm sorry. There's a couple things I hate about Christmas, and one of which is all the money-raising commercials out there. If I see another dog that's about to die on a chain this big, by the way, they don't use that money for dogs. They use that for political. That's what they use it for, okay? So anyhow, I'm sorry. Let's all get mad at the same time. Can I tell you the other one makes me mad is all the people that are raising money for the poor Jews in Russia. And listen, I have a heart of compassion. I got a huge heart. I'll give you everything I got. But that is nothing but manipulation. And my whole point is this. You don't have to live in that constant state of despair of woe is me. Look what happened to us 75 years ago. Because they could have faith and say, you know what? Our Messiah is coming and would turn their whole world around. Having a future perspective instead of a being always living in the past. You know, but after two days, time moves on. And it's time to pursue the will and the working of God. And I will tell you this. Remember how Paul said this? He says, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Can I tell you what his opinion was? Turn to Philippians chapter 3, please. Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. We look at some of these familiar verses, but i got to tell you, sometimes it's good for us to go back and review these and put them in these different contexts and see how they give us strength. He says this, he says, Not as though as I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, what he's talking about, he's talking about striving to be like Jesus. And striving to be, uh, do the will of Jesus, okay? And apprehend means you, you've attained your goal, okay? And can I tell you this? The only place in our life where we can ever have attained is in the past. Y'all understand that? And so what he's saying here is he said, rather than having the meta, I, I did this and I did that and I did this. And, and I, I got a little thing in my house every once in a while. I, I'll pull it out. Nobody's ever impressed by it, but I, I was told a long time ago by a preacher friend of mine that any certificate I get or diploma or anything like that, picture that's special to me or something like that, I should put it in what he calls a brag book. And every once in a while when he's down and he's depressed, you take a look at it. And can, can I just tell you this, to be honest with you? It's just something to dust. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. My whole point is, that, why? Because it's all in the past. It's what you achieved in the past. And to be quite honest with you, I could care, what I, care less about what I achieved in the past. It's what I want to achieve today and tomorrow. Folks, you don't write a list of things you want to remember from the past. You write a list of things you want to do tomorrow. Amen? Uh, notice further what he says, verse 13. The Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Say it with me. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. You all see that? Forget that and reach, strive, okay? Desire. He says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Meaning if you've accomplished something in the past, keep it up. If you've got some good spiritual disciplines, keep it up. But don't take and focus all on the past. Take and set a new goal for the future. How many of y'all, when you go to the Bible afresh, always learn something new? And the Bible says you can't live on yesterday's manna. you got to have something fresh. you got to be striving for the future. The Bible says, uh, brethren, verse 17, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He says, for many walk of whom I have told you and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You mean the ones that bring up your past and make you depressed and discouraged and make you want to quit? Yeah, those ones. He says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Okay? Can I tell you one of the best ways in the world to be striving about the future 
how many of y'all are going to go home this afternoon to your house? You sure? How many of y'all would love if we just drove out of the parking lot and the Lord just called us home? Which one would be better? Well, I got a pot roast. I... <laughs> That's what he's talking about. Yeah, we got the day-to-day, da-da-da-da-da-da. But if your mind is, our conver- what's the next verse? Our conversation is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our life is in heaven. Our future is in heaven. And he says this, mark me for an example. That's how I live. I forget the things of the past. Why? I can't do a thing about them. I'm going to ask this question for a second. How many of y'all can do something about the past? Because Paul couldn't. You can learn. But you can do that in the present and move forward. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask this and don't, don't wiggle. Anybody guilty of being stalled in the present because you can't let go of the past? I'll promise you this. There's a lot of people everywhere that are stalled in the present because they can't forget the past. And God says, would you put those things behind and start reaching for the future? You might be amazed how it helps you to have an effective ministry for Christ. We see here that we need to stay focused on the future. You need to stay realistic about family. I'm going to say that again until I get an amen. You need to stay realistic about family. Okay. (laughs) John chapter 4, go back. What do I mean by that? Who's the greatest human being to ever live? Well, I got two votes for Jesus. We're in trouble here at Liberty Baptist Church. Who's the greatest human being to ever live? Most effective ministry ever? In the Bible, he said this. He says, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country. You know what he's saying? He's saying, the least productive ministry I've ever had is with my family. Jesus said that. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you because how many of y'all want your family to be saved more than anything else? But how many of you also know the hardest people will ever minister to to is family? Amen? Verses 44 and 45, he, he, he says that. You think about this, but why are they the hardest to win? Well, they're the hardest to win because they're too familiar with you. You know who we love in this world? Celebrities. Visiting preachers. I'm sorry, I had to get that in. By the way, it's true. I, this last year, somebody was putting out on Facebook, and they were talking about some of the challenges that preachers face. And, um, and to be honest with you, here's the thing. Don't just pray for this pastor. Can I encourage you? You need to be praying for all the pastors you know. It's, it's difficult. Listen, if you're going through a hard time, the pastor's involved in a lot of your hardships. You all understand that? And so, I mean, it's, 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 we're, we're embracing it. But one of the things it talked about is some of the challenges that church members don't understand, okay? And I'm, I'm not saying this for my benefit. I'm just telling you, something that church members don't understand is you're far more appreciated in other churches than you are in your own. And I'm telling you that's a fact, okay? I'm telling you, I travel sometimes, and people, oh, Brother Bradshaw's here. I got to tell you, it gives me tingles. I got up to preach one time, and they said, Brother Mark Bradshaw, I come up to preach, and I heard somebody in the back, oh, I love to hear him preach. Woo! <laughs> you can preach after that. <laughs> Amen? Uh, please take this. And I'm not complaining. That's not a complaint, okay? Why? Well, I'll tell you why here in just a second, okay? But celebrities... Preachers, members of other churches, yeah, you know, they're wonderful. They're the best. (laughs) Okay, all right. Uh, Are honored by those, by the way, only see them at their best. Visiting churches only see me when I'm healthy and well-groomed and I got my notes put together and I remembered my glasses. Hey, man, you guys understand? And you guys see me every day, or every service. 
I want, I want you to think about this. Take the biggest celebrity you know and all the fame and acclaim that they get and then go talk to their wife about them. Because I'm going to let you know that for some people who are really excited about me, my wife's not so impressed sometimes. I say that lovingly. You know why? Because she sees me shave. You guys understand? And, and she knows my ups and she knows my downs. And have you guys ever heard familiarity breeds contempt? I, I looked that saying up, and I hate who's attributed to, but it's attributed to Augustine. Because Augustine said it this way. He says, it is a common proverb that too much familiarity breeds contempt. Meaning when you really know somebody, it's hard to honor them. You all understand that? When you really know somebody. Okay, well... That's why so many people do image management, all right? And I, if you don't know what that is, then don't worry about it. If you want to give me a class, I mean, it's how you wear your tie and how you carry yourself. And how, anyhow, you can, you can do any image management because you want everybody to think well of you. That's wonderful, but can I just tell you, this family sees you for who you are and where you are. Why is it so hard to witness the family? Because they remember you when. You all understand? They saw when... You had mud on your face, and they saw when you did something stupid. And they, and they, to be quite honest with you, they know that they should receive more respect than you're giving or something, vice versa. You guys understand the, the way politics work? And folks, think about this. Even Jesus' family didn't respect him. Oh, you're kidding. No, that's the fact. Could you go with me to John chapter 7, please? John chapter 7. And look at verse 3. Uh, there's more verses to give you, but for sake of time, I won't go there. But for, for John chapter 7 and verse 3, the Bible says, His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and get into Judea, that, that, I, that their disciples also may see the works that thou doest. They said, If you're going to do miracles, go do it where people can see you. Okay? There is no, for there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. I mean, they're criticizing and saying, come on, man. You wonder why nobody's following you. Uh, by the way, Jesus is the same one that says, what I just told you, don't tell anybody. Well, don't do that. that right? Verse 5. For neither did his brethren believe, not just on him, in him. You remember that Mary, she had to continually ponder these things in her heart. His own brethren didn't get saved. And we only know of two brothers that did eventually get saved. James and Jude eventually got saved who were brothers of, of Jesus. And we know two of them got saved. I pray the whole family eventually got saved. But folks, they didn't get saved immediately in his ministry. Why? I mean, that's just Jesus. I've, I've, seen his, I've seen his carpentry. I'm assuming he was a carpenter because his father was a carpenter, if you will. And, and I've seen him work, and I've seen him sweat, and, and, I, and I've sat around a table with him. He's just my, he's just my brother. Said, no, 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 he's, he's the son of God. Well, I'm just not seeing it. Folks, get a hold of this. If his family, who knew all they knew about who he was, and his mother and father knew who he was, and his brothers were unimpressed, if Jesus went through that, how many of y'all think you might go through that? Come on. If we're going to be effective for the Lord, we need to be real about some things, if you will. And so the first thing that we see is that rather than focusing on the past, we need to focus on the future. We need to stay realistic about those that we have the greatest burden for their salvation, and that being our family. And then we need to look for God-given opportunities. Think about this. He did many miracles in Judah, and we're told of one convert. And you say, well, there were, there were probably a whole bunch more. You've got to remember, he only ended up with 120. Okay? So he did all that work in Judah. came away with one convert, Nicodemus, a good one. Okay? But he came away with one. He went to Samaria where everybody's like, what are you doing here? These people are demon-possessed. They're wicked. Where are you even talking to them? And the whole city got saved. Woo! By the way, how many of y'all think it made Judean newspapers? Probably didn't. And so then he comes home, and he's like, man, did you hear about the miracles, and did you hear about what happened in Samaria? And they went, Jesus, you're just our brother. Y'all get it? 
until one day he's walking to getting ready to go to Cana. And as he's making this journey, uh, going to the place where he did his first miracle, a guy says, I heard about the miracles you did in Jerusalem. Amen. And he said, my son's sick. Could you come and heal him? He says, go home. He's healed. Amen. The guy immediately turned, down, turned around and he went home and he found out that his son was healed at that very moment. Y'all with me? You know the only thing that mattered to that man? Is that Jesus was there for him at that time, at that place. Amen? And Jesus wasn't worried about the miracles he did in Judea. And he wasn't even worried about the revival that he just had in Samaria. He was focused on the future. He was focused on the next opportunity. And by the way, now he's God. He knew. But we don't know what a day will bring forth. But if we can stay focused on the future, amen? And if we cannot get broken by the people who we really want to see move but aren't, amen? Family usually. And we can just say, God, I'm just going to live for that one moment and that one opportunity. And by the way, that one moment and one opportunity is not back there. It's here. And folks, I'll tell you this. The people who are most effective in life are the people who are alert. Because they're looking for that opportunity. Not carrying baggage. Not worrying about what they can't do for the Lord. But saying, God, what can I do? And folks, that's a lesson that we learn from Jesus Christ. Because he was looking for God given opportunities. Folks, think about this. He was in the right place. Cana, not Nazareth. He wanted to be in Nazareth. His family wouldn't receive him, so he got up and he left. Come on. So he was on the way to Cana because of some things that he thought was bad. Amen? Turned out to be a good thing. He was there at the right time. He was there when a nobleman was in need. And by the way, folks, we have answers and we have helps that this world is looking for. And God will make our appointments for us. Right time, right place. With the right message. If you can believe. That's what he said in verse 47. If you can believe, your son's healed. Go home. The Bible said he believed him and he went home. If you can believe. You know, sometimes we, we think about, well, if I just had the perfect words. How about this? You know, if you could just trust Jesus... Yeah, but I've told that to a thousand people and none of them have ever followed. Are you still looking for the one? How many people did Jesus meet in his lifetime? He fed 5,000 men at one meal. And he only ended up with 120 converts. Folks, we live in a world today that wants to break us because of our failures and because of our past. And God is saying, just get your eyes this way. Stop worrying about the things you want the most and just look for the opportunity in the moment. And I'll get you to the right place at the right time with the right message, with the right result. And folks, I would much rather be effective than efficient. Okay? Because sometimes we want to do everything right and we end up with nothing. I'd rather be effective. You know how Jesus taught me how to be effective in this text? Stop worrying about the past. Focus on the future. Don't be broken by your family. Find the one. And when you do, be at the right place at the right time with the right message. And pray God will bring the right result. And you know how you know you'll be effective? Someday you'll hear God say, well done and then it will be worth it all let's all stand listen maybe you got somebody in your heart right now maybe devil's been trying to beat on you pretty good here lately maybe you just want to come talk to the lord the altars are open you turn around your pews i don't care Whatever the Lord would have you to do. We're going to sing 249. 249. If God's moving your heart anyway, you just come.